0: me thinking about maybe at each season of a church's development, there are some special advantages. And so instead of just longing for what we don't have, what about leveraging the advantages that we have right now about who we are and where we are in our development now? And that really changed a lot for me and how I thought about myself, how I thought about our church. What up, everyone? Welcome to the
1: Bible Leadership Podcast. This is Pastor Mark Carter. Why are we doing this? To connect your Bible to your leadership and your leadership to your Bible. Are you ready? Today we're talking about something really important. I don't know about you, but I found that leadership is both a science and an art, especially when it comes to spiritual leadership. The art part of leadership often involves discerning which season we're in. God is a God of seasons. He takes us through multiple seasons. We see this in scripture, don't we? There's training seasons, there are lonely seasons, there's trying seasons, and there's celebrating seasons. And it's often easy to see other people's seasons but it's harder to see the seasons that we're in. It's so easy for me to tell that Joseph is in a training season when he's in the dungeon, um, or that Elijah's in a lonely season when he's over at the Ravine of Kareth, but it's so hard to determine the seasons that we're in. And, And the season we're in often tells us a lot about what God's trying to do in our lives and how he wants us to respond. So today I'm talking to Pastor Mark Albrecht of an incredible church in Antioch, Illinois, North Bridge Church. We're talking about two leadership seasons that need special attention. The first one is when we're tempted to get ahead of God. Everybody knows what that's like. Maybe you're a little bit anxious. You're trying to get out there, trying to get after it, trying to move the ball forward maybe a little bit faster than God is moving it. And then the second season is when we're tempted to give up. This is when, man, we've been taking a beating. Maybe we've been running for a really long time. We're just like, man, when is this going to be over? Two really important Leadership Seasons That Need Special Attention. Pastor Mark uh, is a friend and a mentor pastor to me. He's the kind of pastor that I want to be when I grew up. In fact, i describe him, you know, there, there's guys that, man, they're like a man's man. And then there's guys who are a humble Man's man. And that's what I love about Pastor Mark. I think you're going to find this content very instructive, very valuable, especially if you're in a season where you're really anxious to move forward or you're in a season where you want to give up. Let's listen in to my interview with Pastor Mark two leadership seasons that need special attention. Pastor Mark, tell us about Northbridge. Why did you guys choose that name
0: and when did you start it? Wow, it goes back a ways. We started in 2001. North Bridge, uh, two, two reasons. We're on the very uh, northern border of Illinois, and so north is our location. But Bridge, we wanted to be a bridge-building congregation. We knew we were building bridges to lost people. We wanted to build a bridge to the next generation of church leaders. And we wanted to build a bridge to our community to let them see Jesus and see Come his on, church man. on a whole new light. And yeah. so we really wanted to be a bridge-building community. So we launched in 2001, and uh, by the grace of God, still at it. All right. Did you show the bridge illustration on a napkin the first Sunday? (laughs) Yeah, we did bridge stuff for a couple of years. We actually, on the cover of our program, we did bridges from around the world that just kind of sparked a picture of like, we wanted bridge to not just be our name, but to be, you know, a metaphor of who we were as a church. So that was a way of really anchoring it in the hearts of people right in the beginning. Awesome. So you don't get
1: to lead a church for 18 years without some hard-won lessons. So today, I think we've got some discussion that everybody needs to hear. We're going to talk about two leadership seasons that need special attention. Of course, everybody knows you go through this season, you go through that season, but there's some seasons that come along when it's really crucial that we respond the right way. So the first season we're going to talk about today is not getting ahead of God, and, and I talked to Pastor Mark about this. There's just some seasons where, especially, I think when we're when we're first starting out, it's like, man, gotta get this thing done. Let's let's move. I can remember, you know, when when I was a part of a church plant team, we got going. It's like everybody's a, ahead of us, and and you feel like even almost, you know, in my own heart, I felt embarrassed sometimes of like where we were mm. versus where some other yeah. people were. So, Mark, I know that you know about that. Tell us the story. How did you arrive at that place where you were? Maybe a little bit, man, I wish we
0: could get further ahead than we are. Yeah. Yeah. We start, As I said, it started in 2001. In our first couple of years of services, we were on folding chairs in a cafeteria. Yep. And uh, we saw God doing things. And it was a really special time. But it always made you think about where you wanted to get. And we were always kind of anxious to take the next step. And I remember sometimes we'd have uh, people who were part of our little group, and uh, they would go, out of town for vacation and they'd visit Mm -hmm. a church. They wouldn't visit a church like us. (laughs) They'd visit a church, you know, way bigger than us, a lot of bells and whistles. And then they'd come back with their ideas or their disappointment with where we were. And part of me would say, don't go there. Yeah, (laughs) You know, don't compare us to that. But there was wisdom that they brought, but I found myself questioning Um, where we were and not being happy or content with where Mm -hmm. we were. I remember another time we had a woman who'd been with us for a few years on our journey, and um, we were still meeting in rental facilities and doing all that kind of stuff. And she called up to say they didn't want to go to our church anymore. And I said, why? And she said, we're not going anywhere. And I said, well, we have a vision. We have a heart. And she said, but we're just not getting there. And she said, I need to move Ooh, on to a place that's further oh along. Word. And I just remember how much that really hurt. That was a yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was damaging, right? And she told you about yeah, it. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> Honey, you could have just gone. You didn't need to tell yeah. me that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a hard thing,
1: I think, for church planners, for people that are early on in leadership. What's going on in the heart? Like,
0: what is the darkness that is causing that, do you think? Yeah, I think you're wondering about whether or not um, what I'm doing matters. Yep. is is God really at work, even when we're in our kind of early stages? Mm-hmm. You know, Scripture talks about God not despising small beginnings, but we despise our small yeah. beginnings, you know? Yeah. We, uh, we, are, we And as you said, even sometimes embarrassed. Like sometimes I would uh, uh, bring uh, people with me from the community, and it would be on a Sunday where we just didn't have as many people. And so you almost struggled to feel like you had a critical mass in yeah. the room. Yep, yep, totally. Or, you know, we're, we're trying out something new musically, and it didn't go well, and you're just kind of, Cringing a little bit. And so you're just kind of struggling with some of those kinds of things and wanting to get to the next place and never being happy with where you are. And sometimes that really oozes out of you as a leader, even if you don't say it straight up.
1: I think even just to be a church planter, there's probably got to be a certain amount of like, even to do it, you had to be so filled with faith of like, God is gonna move, it's gonna shake the world. You like you're expecting going into it, like, this is gonna be amazing. You and then, and then reality.
0: God's no, like, well, you
1: know, maybe over several decades, you know, you guys are going to do amazing things. But that's not necessarily true that right out of the blocks, you're going to break all the records. Yeah. And there's a, there's probably a faithfulness test there that Absolutely. God is bringing us through, right? Absolutely. So tell us about you. Any other examples of where, man, it was just hard. What, what, what maybe broke you out of that thinking? Was there a moment where you came into an understanding of like, I don't know that I'm thinking about this the right way?
0: Yeah, That's a great question, because I always felt like we weren't going to be a real church till we had taken the next step. There was always some mm-hmm. uh, loosely defined idea that was beyond where we were that would tell us, okay, now we're doing real ministry or we're right, a right. real church. And I remember a few times where uh, people who'd been connected to a larger ministry somewhere else made their way towards us and talked about some of the things that they saw in us that they appreciated. And it got me thinking about... Maybe at each season of a church's development, there are some special advantages. Uh And so instead of just longing for what we don't have, what about leveraging the advantages that we have right now about who we are and where we are in our (laughs) development now? And that really changed a lot for me and how I thought about myself, how I thought about our church. There's a time for every
1: season under heaven. What are some of the things you think smaller, maybe smaller ministries maybe are missing that they should be enjoying but they're just not—they're not thinking about it the right way. Yeah. What are some of those things that, that maybe you were overlooking in that season?
0: Yeah, I think now about where we are. Um, one of the challenges we have as a ministry now is making change, uh, making adjustments. You have people, leaders, sort of uh, ministry machinery. Yeah. that you have to move now to bring change about. Back then, we could pivot on a dime. Dude, you know? yeah. yeah. You just right. say it and do it. Yeah. I remember in the early days of the church, I used to kind of, uh, you know, refer to the the good old days of the benevolent dictatorship. When I, when I could just kind of say, I think we need to do this. And I'd call two people on the phone and we'd do it. And that was the end of it. Yeah. Now it's a much longer process and team meetings and everything. And that's all good to build ownership but we could really make moves. And not only could we make moves, but I think we could take risks that are yeah. a little bit different now. You know, I think you should never be afraid of taking risks. But as your ministry grows larger, you recognize there's more people impacted by this. Yeah. As you yeah. have a staff, you have jobs and families that are yeah. impacted by these things. So you don't want to do things frivolously. But it, So it felt easier to step out and try new things and uh, just, you know, follow the Lord's lead wherever he went without giving it much question or thought in those days. And there's
1: probably so fewer channels of of communication that you have to, that you have to cascade things down. Like, like there's just not as many people to involve. There's not as many people to tell in the early days. There's probably also, I don't know if you'd agree with this. There's probably a, you know, with those early teams, there's a sense of it is us against the kingdom of hell. Hmm. And and there's, there's like a, there's a relational component. There's a fellowship component of like, you are all in, and people are willing to do, dude, I will do whatever. I will stay up all night. I'll yeah. stuff envelopes, you know, because it's, it's this question, can we do it? And then once you grow up as a church, you know, once you stop asking that question, are we a real church yet? People start to be like, ah, you know, maybe I won't sweat quite as much. I won't be quite as, and it's not that people aren't fierce. It's not that they're they're not going after it, but it's a different level of um, people are used to this is what we do versus just the question can we do it? So maybe some of the relational tightness and maybe even some of the excitement
0: goes down. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I totally agree. I think the ability to mobilize people is easier in the early stages because you look around a small room and you realize if it's nobody in this room, it's not going to happen. And so you feel that re- sense of responsibility and ownership. And really the only reason why people are going to be part of a brand new church is because they really believe in the mission. and Because they, they know they're going to have to lay down their life to yeah. see that happen. But as a church gets larger, you kind of look around. and Well, somebody else will pick that up. Somebody else will do right. it. Right, exactly. And so it's much easier to call yeah. people into action. Do you think, Mark, that there are
1: certain things that just in God's sovereign plan— we need to go through, we need to go through some of those lean seasons. We need to go through some of those early seasons because there's actually things he wants to put in our church that weren't there in day one. Ooh. But he can't just like
0: zap it in. That's right. Like, there's war that we have to go through. Do you think that's a part of it, maybe? Yes, no question. And the, the hard fought battles are where lessons are learned, where our resolve gets more steely, if you will. Yeah. And uh, those just become really formative. And so if things come easy, uh, you miss out on a lot of the value of That's that. Right. And so you don't see that in the moment, but later on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the value of that for sure. Let me just share one other yeah, story. When I think about our early stages, we had a, an opportunity to join with three or four other local churches in a big community-wide project. And we were really excited about it. And we gathered the pastors and leaders of those churches to present this plan in a very short period of time, we were all in. It was a very worthy thing to help people in need in our community. But the other three churches, which were much more developed, took months to go through committee meetings oh and gosh, sorting it yeah. out. And I realized at that point, too, that that was a really significant moment of yeah. like, yeah, we're, we aren't as large as these other churches, but look at how fast That's we right. can act and move and yeah. how quickly we can to activate the passion of our church behind something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. So speak to—because I know this applies to churches— but speak to the marriage that, you know, the spouse that's like, I wish we were further along in our marriage. Speak to the, you know, the business owner that says, you know, I believe God and I went all in on this and it's not going as fast as I wanted it to. Or, the you know, the volunteer that just started out, you know, they're, they're volunteering and they, they got these great dreams of like how they want to see God use them. But everything is taking way longer than they thought it was going to take. What do they need to hear? What's the enemy trying to tell them?
0: And what do they need to hear from God? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we mentioned about not despising small beginnings because it says that God rejoices in our small steps, and I think our small steps activate God's hand in our lives. Ooh, say that again. Yeah, our small steps activate God's hand, for sure. But Ooh. we we don't see them as being valuable. And, uh, you know, we see a big challenge, and a couple of small steps isn't going to make a difference immediately, but it's those small steps is how big things get accomplished. And the enemy wants to discourage us. He wants to keep us from persevering, from being faithful to what God has called us to. And so by discouraging us, uh, taking our heart from us, if Mm -hmm. you will, robs us of the ability to follow through. And I think that uh, so much of what God calls us to requires that kind of putting our shoulder to the wheel and being faithful to it day after day. And over time, we're just amazed at how far we've come and more importantly, how far God has taken us. That's right. And that's so good. I think about you know, God gets glory out
1: of lots of different kinds of things. And sometimes we're like, God, I want to be this specific kind of beautiful flower. And God says, I get glory out a lot of a lot of different kinds of flowers. And you want to be this kind, but it gives me more glory if there's lots of different kinds of flowers. So you want to be a mega church but I get a lot of glory out of these other kinds of flowers that maybe you're not considering. I think comparison is another thing that can jack no people not. up. No you're looking not. at so-and-so's, and, and, and we have so much access to it now. You're looking at so-and-so's marriage on Instagram. You're looking at what this guy's doing, what that gal's doing. And you're like, God, why aren't you moving me faster? And God's like, because you ain't done cooking. Like, like I've got a whole plan for your life. Yeah. And I'm sanctifying you. And I don't want you to be like everybody else. I want you to be you. Yes. And that just takes time for God to— to bake that in.
0: So that's really good. Mark, let me just say, when our church was first getting started and I had just a couple of handfuls of people that were forming our launch team, we went and we visited other churches in our community and we wanted to visit those other churches to just make friends with those churches. We weren't coming as a threat. We wanted to be partners, but something really significant happened for me in those visits. First, uh, I realized we weren't coming to save our community because there were already some good churches that were preaching the gospel and the Bible was being taught and that was great. But I also saw that in the mixture of churches in our community, we had a place. When I read the passages about the body of Christ, I usually think about an individual congregation, that there's, you know, hands and feet and toes and everything. You don't really think about in a larger community that each church is a part of the body. And I realized that, yes, just what you said of like, there was a place for our church. We can be what every other church was doing and they could be what we we're yeah. doing, but God had a unique place for us. And we just needed to rejoice in just being who God called us to be. I think that's huge because I, I know that as as I've
1: led, especially early on, there was there was like God, I gotta be like these guys. And there was just this compulsion of like, I've got to achieve what they're doing the way they're even doing it. And I just under understood. God has a very specific role that he wants my church to play that is different. It's supposed to be different than everybody else. And if I'm so focused on them, I'm not really discovering who God wants us to be or me to be or, 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 you know, this group to be. So, no, man, I think that's really smart. Mm. Hey, this is really helpful. So two leadership seasons that need special attention. Number one was not getting ahead of God. When we're anxious, we're liable to miss really what God wants to sow into us as a leader, as an organization. But number two is the other important season that needs special attention is when we're tempted to give up. So Mm -hmm. the first part, we're tempted to go ahead. Second part, a little later in ministry maybe, or maybe after an intensive ministry season, there's a desire of like, Lord, I don't know. Like, I thought I could make the swim, but I don't know that I can make it now. Things are getting harder, and I feel like I'm gasping more and more. Tell us about that, Mark. Have you experienced that? No
0: doubt. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm too long in the tooth to not have experienced that on a few occasions. Um, but I think specifically in the ministry context that I'm in now, uh, we started in 2001, as I said, with a lot of you know passion and vision and couldn't wait to see things happening. Uh, Get started, you know, as I said, meeting and folding chairs in that era. But we wanted to have a place of our own. Uh, We bought property in 2006. We paid it off very quickly. But for reasons that are beyond my ability to uh, fully understand why the Lord chose to do this, he blocked our ability to build on our property. It's kind of financing, zoning, permitting issues, Mm. other kinds of things. Make a long story short, we were in the setup and teardown era mobile church for 15 years, mm-hmm. and so you can imagine after 15 years of grinding out Dude, like that,
1: oh my gosh, it was hard. really
0: tough. And uh, and a lot of people think about the the Sunday morning part of it of like setting up and tearing down equipment. That well, that for sure that's a problem. But Monday through Saturday, we had to find places yeah, yeah, for all yeah. of our stuff and. We had various locations. Everybody's trunk had equipment in yep, it, everybody's yep, basement yep, yep. had oh, stuff. and so chasing stuff down and you know you do that for a little while and there's a certain kind of uh, romance to it the first couple of years and then it quickly loses uh joy and um, hey, God so bless you portable church planners we <laughs> right get, on. man, that is hard, especially when there's midwestern winters, man it is. So just we feel you guys out there. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think about guys, uh, you know, from our church who were early in the morning and uh, blow torches to warm up the oh trailer hitch yeah, to get yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So some real persevering people in, in our church. But I think for me, you know, as this was all unfolding, uh, you know, I'm getting older. I'm starting to think about, like, what is God calling me to? Do I have the energy to continue to do this? And so How I had old were you, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah. So I'm 54. So uh, about three years ago, I had a sabbatical right at the point where we were finally beginning to build our facility, which on the one hand was such an incredible celebration. It was infusing such joy. Yeah, yeah. But I realized at that point, knowing that we were just months away from moving into our new home, which was going to be a sense of reintroducing ourselves to our community in a brand new way that I needed to have a full tank For that next era, because it was going to be exciting, but challenging. And I needed to be ready. And I knew I was not ready. And so I took about uh, three months to just really think about what does it mean to put myself in a position to have maximum spiritual, physical, emotional strength to bring to the task. And to be honest with you, I had to ask myself the question first, do I have it? Because if I don't, I'm cheating our church and our ministry Mm -hmm. if I don't bring a full self to it. And so I had to really revisit that. Am I the guy to lead us for this next era? And that was a hard question to ask myself. But I had to really work through a lot of those kind of issues. Do you think the enemy was involved in that at all? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, but I think, I mean, there was definitely whispers of inadequacy, wondering if I, you know, would be able to lead us through. But I think part of it, too, was just kind of growth— I needed to become something beyond what I was Uh, in order to lead us in that era. So there was a growth challenge in there that I think the enemy wanted to discourage me and just cause me to quit and give up. But I think the Lord wanted to use that to stretch me and call me up to a new place. How are
1: you different now than you were three years ago? Like like what specifically the Lord ask you to change
0: in order to, to have sustainability? I mean, some of it was just my physical resources to begin with. Okay. okay. Uh, I realized that you know your energy level changes. Uh, you know, when I was in student ministry, I didn't really have to think about you know working out, getting shit because I just was running with kids all the time, playing yeah, basketball, yeah, doing yeah. things, and it just came pretty easy. Uh, then I got into pastoral ministry. It's pretty early on in my career, I was just in my early thirties. Long story. My sister was in exercise physiology. Mm-hmm. She invited me to come for one of their corporate level physicals for free. And I'm like 31 years old. And she took my blood pressure. I was 160 over 110. That was resting. And I realized I had a stress level that I had no idea wow. how to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really so much a physical problem as much as I just didn't know how to handle the emotions of ministry. I just bottled them up and internalized them to know how to talk about them. And yeah. so there's a kind of a long journey of learning how to process and open my life up and my heart up to other leaders. Let them speak into my life and help me carry the weight of leadership. So that'd be a big part of it. But I think when I got to uh, this sabbatical three years ago, I just knew that I was going to have to work through other people more than I ever had. When I was first in ministry, somebody talked to me about kind of three stages of ministry. The first one is like you minister to people. Then the second one is you minister with people to other people. And then there is the you minister through other people to other people. And I realized more than ever before that I needed to learn how to really minister through people. And that was a hard for me because I love being connected to the people of our congregation. I love kind of the, the uh, attaboys and the kudos that kind of come from that, That's of being man. close to yeah. people. And I began to realize I was kind of a block to the development of our ministry. So if I didn't really learn how to empower and invest and work through other people, we were never going to be able to move forward.
1: So we've got listeners that are tempted to give up right now they're hearing voices maybe similar to what you were hearing when you were tempted to give up what are those voices what are they saying hmm. you know and
0: i think about what uh hebrews 12 says which is such a uh, significant passage for me in this kind of sabbatical season as it talks about persevering and it says don't allow yourself to grow weary or faint hearted it's a command from scripture don't Uh-oh. let yourself grow weary or faint hearted command baby yeah and i realized i i've allowed this to happen and i found excuses for why that's happened. And they were explainable, but I had let this happen to me. And so I needed to take ownership. It's my responsibility to maintain my spiritual zeal, to not let myself grow faint hearted. So yeah. that part of what enemy wanted to do is like, make me feel like a victim. Yeah, I'm a victim of everybody else's stuff. Somebody listening. Yeah. <laughs> and I needed to take this upon myself. This is my responsibility to refresh my spirit and to be able to bring a full self to my my life and my ministry. yeah. So that was a part of it. And the other part of it was, you know, kind of saying um, that I didn't have what it takes. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the gifts. I didn't have the experience. And so I just felt the enemy whispering all those kind of things about inadequacy. And so the Lord had to do that work of kind of strengthening my inner man, yeah, uh, bringing a fresh resolve Hebrews 12 talks about things about, you know, removing unnecessary weights from our lives. And I realized things that weren't necessarily sinful but were not helping me mm-hmm. bring uh, my best self to my work and my call. So I needed to rethink how I structured my day and uh, how I brought, um, you know, refreshment to myself in my weekly rhythms, right? Yeah. That was really important. And then, uh, too, it talks about that, you know, we w- the sin which so easily entangles. And I had to acknowledge, you know, I've let sin have some roots in my life. Yeah and i needed to confess those was to was that depleting you is to, that is that what you mean? yeah in ways that i didn't recognize yeah. in ways i didn't recognize they were they were kind of just allowing my heart to drift yep 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 and you know just i think that idea of like bringing my 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 fullest my my pure heart to the lord and to his work was what i wanted i realized that there were things that were drawing my heart away yeah. i needed to confess those and be honest you know so i
1: haven't been through the sifting experience that Mark is describing in the, f- in the full way that, that he's been through. But I know that one, I think the Lord genuinely tests our faithfulness. I'm not trying to tell anybody who's listening what they're supposed to do. Like, no, you need to, you need to keep on. Maybe the Lord's actually calling you out of something. So I'm not saying that he's not, but I do know that there's a faithlessness in the human heart and, and it's going to be tempted to give up. And, and, And we know that Jesus is the only one who fully completes his ministry, right? Like he's the one, he's the only one strong enough to do it. That's why we got to keep going back to Jesus every day to get his strength. But I I really want to suggest for some of us, it's just a test of faithfulness. God is saying, I need to expand your capacity to be faithful. For others of us, it might even be that, dude, you're just horrible at resting. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think we all get, this, especially ministry, you get seasons where yeah. like, it's a crunch, man. But we've all got to be always working on our own engine under the hood to be like, am I really giving myself all the fluids that I need and all the rest that I need and all the the whatever? I know there's there's two books that I come back to all the time. One is Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordillero. At least once a year I read this thing because I feel empty. He's good. <laughs> but it's good, good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And then um, Pete Scazzaro's uh, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Both of those, they just refresh my soul and they kind of slap me in the face and say, hey, moron, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, you're trying to just do everything. And God is calling you to rest and calling you calling you to abide. And it's like when I take a few days off and just like meditate on those, I'm not saying I get completely fixed, but I get a lot better. Like, mm. like suddenly the world looks a whole lot different. So I would just encourage folks, faithfulness and rest. Mark, anything else that you want to share with folks about that, that season and that time when they're tempted to give up?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And we I, I like to sprint, but I also think that sometimes thinking about uh, your life as a series of sprints with rest in the middle. There you know, you go. Yeah, and yeah. you know, that's really that's really helpful. And you talked about Jesus being our model. And that's what Hebrews twelve says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. I think about that passage a lot when I run. You know, there are people who are runners. And, you know, they talk about they have, uh, you know, runners high and they can't wait for run. I'm not that guy at all. You know, yeah, people yeah. ask me, why do you run? I say, because it feels so good <laughs> when I stop, right? You know, amen, amen. But I find myself uh, running and when I get to that point of fatigue and, you know, you, whenever you're doing a workout or exercising, you always want to quit. Mm-hmm. And you feel that moment when I want to give up, but you're kind of like training your flesh, if you will, to push through. And I find mm-hmm. myself kind of using that. Uh, physical fatigue as a reminder of what it means to persevere with God's call in our lives. So, you know, if Jesus persevered through, I can persevere through the last, you know, half a mile of this run, but also this is strengthening my my resolve to finish what God's called me to. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I do think there's a lot
1: of wisdom in crying out to Jesus, I need you to finish this through me. Like I'm in my natural man, I'm 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 faithless. Like I I I will give out. My body will give yeah. out. Like everything will give out. You've got to strengthen my resolve personally. What about any resources, Mark? Anything that you'd recommend for people maybe to read when they're going through a situation like this?
0: Yeah, I, uh, uh, an older leader that really ministered to me is Gordon McDonald. He's got a book called The Resilient Life. Yeah, that really helped me. There's also been a uh, uh, a study uh, put together by several pastors around resiliency in ministry. Hey. It's a lot of statistics and that kind of stuff, but it's there's interesting anecdotes and learnings that come from that. And uh, another book that I found helpful for me and just kind of streamlining my schedule and focusing on things that are most important is not a, a, a Christian book, but a business book called Essentialism that really helped me with kind yeah. of identifying priorities yep, and yep. really making sure the most important things got the best of my time. That's really good,
1: man. I think it's Greg McCowan who, or something like that, who, who wrote that book. There's also, for those who are trying to just, maybe it's a scheduling thing, like you're just, you're not actually doing the right smartest things at the right time. Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt is another great book. Deep Work by Cal Newport is just amazing. I'm really chewing on that one right Mm. now of just being able to get down to do fewer things, but the things that you really have to do uh, to do those better. So Mark, really good stuff today. Thank you so much. So what we said was that two leadership seasons that need special attention are when we're anxious and trying to get ahead and it's really not God quite yet. He's more in the forming. And then when it's really just time to persevere through the hard seasons because we're tempted to give up. Any other thoughts you want to share with our listeners?
0: No, you know, one of my uh, favorite passages is when Paul writes to Timothy, says, let your progress be seen by all. You know, we always want to think about, you know, our perfection. We've accomplished this. But it's, it's, it's a journey of progressing, right? Yeah. And so learning how to push through difficult seasons, learning how to be content in the season we are, those are still lessons. Mm. I feel like I'm still learning. Amen, but, bro. you know, Lord, just help me just be a little bit better tomorrow than I am today. Awesome, man. Where can people follow you? Where can they learn more about Northbridge? Where would you send them? Our website is northbridgechurch.org. And uh, we have a Facebook page. And, uh, you know, other ways you can uh, connect with us there There is also. so
1: Brother, super helpful stuff today. Will you come on again and teach us more?
0: I would love to. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jim.
1: Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. There's a lot more leadership content at the website at BibleLeadership.com. Depending where you're viewing or listening to this, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. And I just want to give a special shout out to the supporters of the BLP on Patreon. Patrons, you really are the ones creating the pipeline for this podcast to go out. So thank you. Such a big deal. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash Bible leadership. Finally, if you're enjoying the BOP, why don't you consider sharing it with a leader or a volunteer on your life, share it on your social media. Who knows how God could use you to stir somebody else up, to raise their leadership lid. If you're gonna lead strong for God, he's gonna lead you into trials that make you deal with your stuff, your issues, your insecurities. When that happens, don't run away lean into it and grow. We're always tempted to run. God says, no, stay and grow. You might as well. The first one into the oven is the first one out. The future needs more mature, refined version of you. So just embrace it. Hold tight to the Bible and keep moving forward. All right, Bible leaders, we'll see you the next time. Bye-bye.